Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Freaking Geeks podcast. I'm your host, Michael, and with me is Sarah and Barry. Hey, Hello. guys, and geeks and girls, and my goodness, we're finally back. It's been weeks, and we've all gotten over the plague. Yeah, right. Yeah, so... Well, let's let's give a, a rundown of why this episode is out so late, because initially we were supposed to record this a few days after the movie came out, but it just it's didn't, all their fault. It just didn't happen. We all got hit with the plague, and that's no joke. Because Michael, Michael yeah. t- tell our listeners the truth. George Lucas has an issue with our review. And <laughs> You know what I mean? Let's let's just tell it like it is, please. I don't think he cares about it anymore. Well, come on. He's like, I mean, look, I'm out. I got $40 billion for this. I'm out. He doesn't say Lucas is sitting on his pile of cash. He's like Scrooge McDuck. He's like diving into the coins. Everyone cares what Michael has to say. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, of course. Lucas, most of all. George Lucas just like grabs a couple servants and is like, here, fight to the death. And they do it. <laughs> so he's yes. like uh, the Joker in the Dark Knight. He's like, yes. tosses. Yes, yeah. exactly. <laughs> Whoever... like, I only have room for one more hire. Exactly. Yes, we were, we were all very sick. Unfortunately, it spread from Pennsylvania and the United States to Canada. So somehow. Like, very quickly. Everyone in between is probably. Suffered our plight. Which seems to happen if me or Michael get sick. It's crazy. One of us gets sick, the other follows the next week. That's crazy. Yeah, you'd be surprised what travels through uh, the internet and microphones. It's amazing. (laughs) Right? Yeah. You get virus the real way. I was going to say, when they say people get, like, computers get viruses, uh, it's true. Uh, We send (laughs) our sickness through the internet. We get viruses. (laughs) We give viruses. We give computers virus. There's no such thing as a virus. It's just our sickness coming into the World Wide Web. That's right. Clearly. It all comes from America. Well, these days, <laughs> well, yeah. Well, yeah. I'm going to say, yeah, that's probably true. <laughs> it's not far from the truth. <laughs> all right. So, yeah. So, this is actually just a review that was supposed to happen. Like we said, uh, we really wanted to get this out before Christmas. And, you know, I, you know, I was sick at Christmas as well, you know, over uh, Christmas yep. holidays. Um, and it lingered for up until around New Year's where I started to you know, get better and recover. Um, yeah, so now we're good enough and we're finally able to get this review out. And just to let you know, there's no non-spoiler in this review because I just, there just isn't. Uh, because pretty much everyone has seen this movie by now, I'm assuming anyway. Yeah, pretty much anybody's already, yeah, yeah. seen it. Worldwide, it's already grossed yeah. over a billion any, dollars. Any, li- any little factoids for us, Michael? We want to drop one on us a little early here about oh. You want, some, here. you want some factoids? Um, let's see. After reading the script, Mark Hamill told Ryan Johnson that he fundamentally disagreed with the way Luke was being presented in the movie. Yep, but he retracted yes, that he after did. the movie came out and he watched it. Yep. Yes. So he liked the way it ended up turning out. Oh, that, which I, yeah. That was good. Yeah. Yeah. Because I liked his character. You know what? I think, I think once he read the reviews about how all people said, man, that's one of Mark Hamill's that was his best performance as Luke, then he's like, hmm, maybe I do like the way I'm portrayed in this movie or Luke Skywalker's <laughs> portrayed in this movie. Yeah, maybe, buddy. Because watching the way Luke Skywalker little, was, it's also a lot like Mark Hamill is in real life, so I don't see like what the yeah, problem is. A little bit better than his Kingsman appearance. True. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah, a little <laughs> bit. Uh, we, won't, we won't delve back into that. Or, okay. his, or his Guyver appearance, if anyone could, has ever seen Guyver besides I've, me. I, I have a, a soft spot for that movie. It's only because yeah. I was eight when it came out. So. Yeah. 
Yeah. So this is an ancient it's, yeah. Ba- based on an anime. So mm-hmm. it's pretty cool. Or manga. I don't know which. Or manga, excuse me. Um, <laughs> It'd be political. Yeah, criteria. well, I'm sure there's some people listening like, ah, it's manga, you idiot. Okay. Manga, manga. It's <laughs> not how you say it. <laughs> right. Mac. Nevertheless. Yeah, so yeah. uh, let's, uh, let's do the quick uh, round down, rundown here as I kind of get back into the swing of things. Uh, this is, of course, Star Wars Episode Eight: The Last Jedi, uh, released December 15th, 2017, written by Ryan Johnson and also directed by Ryan Johnson. Runtime of two hours, 32 minutes, a budget of estimated $250 million, box office $544 million domestic with $1.1 billion combined with, you know, um, outside international um grosses as I well i think i think it opens in china this past uh, today i think it mm. opens in china today okay well it's so, gonna go up. that's just like stupid money like oh, oh my man. god this movie has made like fivefold back by now yeah. like it's crazy Did, didn't they say that like <clears throat> disney already made w- what they paid lucas for and then some like by a lot Oh yeah! Oh, I have no doubt yeah. because it's not just the movies and the gro- the grosses from the the films. It's also the merchandising. Yeah. It's the the DVD sales. DVDs. It's yeah, yeah. <clears throat> right. Uh, and soon there so are theme parks. Smart, smart purchase. Yeah, that's yeah. not counting a the theme park. All the money goes into it. So mm-hmm. yeah, uh, let's see. Smart it stars Mark Hamill, Daisy Ridley, Carrie Fisher, Oscar Isaac, John Boyega, among others. Adam Driver. Adam Driver. Sorry, Adam Don't Driver. Don't forget about Kylo Ren. Yep. Sorry about that. <laughs> Sorry, Adam. Jacked. If you're listening to the podcast, I do apologize. <laughs> Don't don't force. Like I am going to listen to every Star Wars podcast yeah. just to see if I get mentioned. Yeah. Well, I just don't want him to force choke me, you know, through the internet. <laughs> because apparently, you can just get viruses. You can force choke someone too. Um, yeah. <laughs> all right. So let's um before we get into anything. First, uh, spoiler warning. You know, if you haven't seen this, and I know most of the people listening to this will have already seen this movie, but let's just say, for the sake of argument. For maybe some places where the movie's just coming out, um, or hasn't come out yet, if that's even possible. Uh, spoiler warning, we'll be talking about everything and anything under the sun here. Um, so just to let you know that right from the get-go. This isn't going to follow our standard, uh, the way we usually do our reviews, where we do a non-spoiler, 15 minutes or so. That's what you get thrown on iTunes. Um, and then you have to subscribe to Patreon in order to get uh, access to this kind of podcast but uh for this because we're so late we're just going to throw it out there the whole thing and you know and also because it's star wars and everyone deserves to hear everyone talk about star wars yeah. <laughs> all right so let's get into before we get into anything about this movie let's get into talking trailers segment this is the segment where we uh talk about the trailers that were in front of the movie We'll do a quick rundown here and we'll give some thoughts and a thumbs up, thumbs down, or thumbs sideways. If you're kind of like in the middle, don't really know whether or not you actually have no desire to watch this movie or not. Uh, so let's start with Ready Player One. So this is, I believe, the, the second trailer that came out for the movie. And uh, I know the first one was amazing. This one looks fantastic it looks truly unbelievable i've read the book four times i'm really looking forward to this uh this trailer uh quite a bit so um breaker what are your thoughts on the ready player one uh trailer two 
Well, unlike Michael, I have not read the uh, book, but I'm a, I am grew up in the 80s, so I actually grew up part of the 70s too, but 80s as well. <laughs> and, you know, watching that trailer, um, seeing all those references to the, you know, 80s pop culture with the robots and the video games and just et cetera. Uh, I'm very excited for this. Uh, I don't know if I'll be first in line, but I'll definitely be there that opening weekend, I can tell you that. So that's a thumbs up. Oh, yeah, thumbs up for me, <laughs> like of course. Michael's like, I'll make sure you are. <laughs> Raker, if I have to drive to your house, literally pull you out and say, hey, uh, to your wife, hey, we'll be back in a few hours, I'll do it. Okay, actually. Stealing player two. I'll, I'll, I'll take you up on that, Michael, because that might, that might be what it takes, depending on what's gotcha. going on. So, yeah. All right. Uh, uh, yeah, Ray Player One looks awesome. Like, <laughs> like I was born in the 90s, but I like the 80s, you know, movies, music, what have you, all the pop culture stuff from the 80s, better than I do the 90s. So I'm really excited to see all this. And also, I can already see in the trailer, there's going to be a bunch of modern yeah. pop culture stuff, too. Like, I see stuff from the game I play Overwatch. There's a character in it. <laughs> so I'm excited about that, too. It looks really good. Okay. All right. Um, Annihilation. This was a trailer that starred, uh, stars Natalie Portman, and it seems to be uh, her her husband, I think, goes off. Like, he's, I guess, in the military and he's part of like this expedition that goes into what there's like another world, some kind of other dimension or something. It's like this world, world weird. If I can talk right, weird force field. Like you go inside or something, and it kind of just things are just weird and different in there. Um, like it's a diff- it's a world inside of a world kind of thing. Like it's a new um, ecosystem. Ecosystem, it right? Looks like yeah, yeah. yeah. So, and what, how appropriate to have a movie trailer with Natalie Portman in it for a Star Wars? Yeah, movie. right, <laughs> right. Like it, good, good marketing, guys. <laughs> um, it could be good, but it could also be terrible, and that's what I th- what I thought about this movie. Uh, just looking at the trailer, uh, it's a fifty fifty for me. Honestly, I mean, it looks gorgeous. It looks well made, but every year there's at least four or five releases that come out that. If you just look at the trailers, you think, oh, okay, this looks like it could be really, really good. Dark Tower. And, yeah, right. And then it comes out, mm-hmm. and it is just a hot mess. And so for me, this is either going to be a hot mess, this, or it's going to be this, really good. This reminds me of the uh, Transcendence trailer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Remember the Johnny Depp Transcendence? And that was not exactly welcomed in a warm fashion. Uh, I personally enjoyed it, but I could see this being that type of movie. You know what I mean? You're going to find some people that hate it and some that are like, eh, it's all right. <laughs> I don't think you're going to find a whole lot that love it, but I could be wrong. You know what I mean? Uh, me personally, I give it, I'm going to give it a thumbs up. I'm going to go see it. Okay. I'm going to go see it. Yeah. Um, I'm a thumb sideways right now. I really don't know. Um, I'm going to wait and see the next trailer, see if maybe mm. it shows me a different oh. side of the film, gives me a little more um, to the plot or the characters or something that might make me change my mind. But for now, I'm just kind of at a toss up right now. Yeah, right now, there's like this movie, the trailer makes it look like it's parts, you know, like beautiful, like Valerian. And then uh, half, the other half is like Lake Placid. Yeah. <laughs> That's what it looks like. There's, like, there's this baddie monster. Yeah. And it doesn't quite fit in with the pretty world there. Yeah. So I'm curious to see how they blend that you know, if like it makes sense i just have a hard time with vegetation being evil 
You know what I mean? That's what it looks like to me. It looks like this vegetation is evil. You know, this organic part stuff. of it. That's what, it, yeah, part of it looks like that. And I'm just like, oh man, that's kind of lame. But you know, I I just said I'm going to go see it, so I'm going to go see it. Yeah, it it looks like it's very it's worth seeing. Yeah, there the you go. Least. There you go. I'll, I'll give you. Yep. Yeah. So thumbs up. For yeah. Me. Okay. All right, early man. Uh, this we're is not a trailer. talking about me here, by the way. This okay. Is not my, this is not yeah, my. Raker, early Raker man. is early man. Um. <laughs> elderly man. Yeah, elderly man. We got a couple, we got a couple letters there. Sorry. <laughs> All right. Uh, this is a, a trailer for a movie where it looks like it takes, play, takes place back um, to, of course, early man and maybe the first time where uh, a dog and a, and a, man i guess or a wolf i guess i can't remember if it's a dog oh or a wolf, yeah but i remember this trailer now they yeah. basically Clearly made by the guys who did like wallace and gromit right but they like connect and it it's i don't know this is this is kind of like where i am with annihilation right so <laughs> I, I don't really know yet whether or not i want to see this movie you know on one hand i think it looks kind of interesting uh but on the other hand i i'm just not yet sold on whether this is going to be one of those movies where I'm really itching to go see it, or if it's going to be one of those movies where I, I catch it on the, the uh, uh, television at some point, or Netflix, or, yeah. or Amazon at some point down the road. I need to see another trailer. For me right now, again, it's it's a thumb sideways. I'm just kind of like undecided. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I'm with you. It's, I'm For me, it's probably like I'm not going to bother seeing it. Okay. Yeah, more than I mean, it might be a good movie, you know, um, but I doubt I'll go see it. Yeah, there you go, DVD. So yeah. thumbs probably in the middle for me, you know. Okay. Yeah, for me too. All right, so then we have the miracle season. Uh, this is my actual comment <laughs> for this. I'm a, I wrote this down. I put uh, "ug." <laughs> Hold up your French toast. There is plenty of syrup dripping off of this movie. Um, <laughs> this movie. I don't know what that means. Huh? It's sacrosanct. Oh, yeah. Oh, is that what it is? Yeah. It, it, and Helen Hunt is too far away from her uh, peak of Twister that she's. Now she's into bottom feeders like this movie. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, I have not seen this trailer, so you two feel free to. This trailer is. It's basically. Um, you know, this really. It seems like a really sappy kind of a movie. Very, very, very sappy. Um, someone. Uh, uh, so a girl dies, and then the team, this this uh, volleyball team that's left behind, and friends and all that, they all have to kind of band together and win one for, you know, themselves, but also win one for their friend that died. You know, uh, one of those yeah. super uplifting movies that, um, if if the trailer or if the movie is anything like the trailer, yeah, this this you'll you'll rot your teeth okay. with this movie. <laughs> so. Yeah. It's a thumbs down for me, for sure. Yeah, I won't see yes. it. <laughs> um, There's, it, it's all just uplifting, touchy feely, way too much. <laughs> yeah, I mean that that that's not. Some of that's fine, you know, if it's done in the right. It has to be realistic. Yeah, the, the lack of realism here is just yeah, it's off the charts. Um, all right, so the next one up is Mortal Engines. This is the Peter Jackson directed, and I remember the movie, and I remember when this is actually announced that he was going to be doing Mortal Engines, if, I don't know, it's like a year or two ago. And I, I thought, you know, I know about Mortal Engines just enough 
you know, I've heard about it, but I don't know a ton. I didn't read the books, but I will say this. I, it looks interesting to me. It's a very short teaser. Um, I want to see more. And unlike, say, Annihilation and Early Man, where I'm kind of like, I need to see more because I need to know whether or not I'm interested. Just the look and the little bit that you glean from this movie, uh, from the very short teaser is enough that I want to see, at the very least, I want to see the next, the next trailer to get more information. Um, but already I'm thinking, I, I think I could see myself going to check this movie out at the movie theater because it looks that interesting. And you know what? There's something to be said for pedigree. And Peter Jackson, I know maybe the the Hobbit trilogy that came out, maybe that wasn't uh, his finest work. But the guy's proven enough with the original Lord of the Rings um, and King Kong that uh, he knows what he's doing behind the camera. And so I'm just, I'm going to give him the benefit of Lovely the doubt bones. here. That was good too. Mm, yeah. Yep. Uh, it, it looks, I don't like over animation and it looks a lot like over animation okay. and it's almost, I'm on the fence about this because I mean, this giant mountainous city is coming up behind this girl and she pulls out a telescope to look at him like, sweetheart, like it's right there. <laughs> you do not need a telescope to see the mountain that's creeping up on you. And, I think it. Little things like that. Well, I think in that trailer, I think it wasn't that it was a mountain. I think she was trying to find out which one it was because it's London. I guess maybe. You know, I mean, obviously there's a mountain. I think she was just trying to figure out was it is it London? Is it what city is this that's coming after us? Maybe it just looked so weird. I'm just like, why? Yeah. But. Yeah, it the over animation might be thing for me, but who knows? It might work. It's it's like the Hobbit, you know, the over animation in that too. Yeah. Like the Lord of the Rings was phenomenal, and it, they didn't use a ton of CGI. Where the Hobbit, it was like there was so much CGI that Sir Ian McKellen broke down on set, saying like, "This is not why I got into acting to work in front of green screen. Like, <laughs> you need to dial it back a little bit." Uh, I think for I think. Peter Jackson uh, decided he was going to be George Lucas for a while. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Sorry, George. Soon he's going to sell Lord of the Rings for $40 billion. Disney's going to buy it. And <laughs> It'll be a great movie. Yep. Yep. I give it, I'm going to give it a thumbs up just because I'm kind of like Michael. You know what I mean? Like, there's enough there to tease me, hence it's a teaser. Um, <laughs> but, no, I think I, I like the fantastic, you know. That's what drew me to Valerian. And I think so far it's what's drawn me to this. So I, I want to see, unlike Michael, I want to see at least another trailer or two before I, you know, before the jury's out. But chances are I'll go see this. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think that's probably fair. So I'll give it a thumbs up, I guess. All right, thumbs up for me. Uh, next up, Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. Uh, for me, uh, I don't know why, but uh, I don't know. I was excited for Jurassic World, but this one just leaves me cold. I get this sense like this was rushed into production. I feel like this was slapped together. The you know the plot, the general idea for the movie was just slapdash together. Let's get moving on this. Um, you know we got a bunch of big stars here. You know they've got full schedules, so if we're gonna shoot this thing, we got to do it soon. And this doesn't feel like it's gonna be anything like the first movie. Not that that's what I need. It's just that. And don't get me wrong, the original Jurassic Park is great. 
And I know that some people had real issues with Jurassic World. I'm not saying that there weren't any issues, because there were. But Jurassic World at least held some of the charm that the original Jurassic Park had. Maybe not all of it, but it had some of it. And um, this one, it just, you know, they got this, you know, let's go save the dinosaurs. They're an endangered species. We need to go save them. Oh, look, there's a volcano. Of course there is. Uh, which is why they're going to save them, I understand. <laughs> now it's this this race to save the dinosaurs and to not die. And it just, it feels like they mix Jurassic Park with Dante's Peak. Hmm. Yeah. So. Thumbs. Yeah, it's like, uh, we, escaped it, the dra- we escaped the park, now we have to save them. Yeah. <laughs> the dinosaurs. Yeah, again, this, this one is... I'm I'm actually going back and forth between a thumbs sideways or a thumbs down. Yep. Uh, I'm going to go a tentative thumbs sideways right now. Like I said, maybe another trailer if they show me from a different angle what this movie can offer. Uh, maybe I'll change my mind. But right now I'm not entirely sold on it, so I'm just going to stick with a thumbs sideways. <laughs> Three words: Goldblum thumbs up. <laughs> Okay. There you go. I think that's a few more words than three. Okay. That's understandable. Or is that, I guess Goldblum is one word, isn't it? Yes. It just sounds like a big word. <laughs> but yeah, where your Goldblum thumbs up, mine is Bryce Dallas Howard thumbs up. Okay. <laughs> I'll watch anything she said. Okay. okay. All right. She's solid. I get it. All right. Um, oh, yeah. Even in M. Night Shyamalan's weird Lady of the Water. <laughs> yeah. She was still great in that. Yeah. Okay. All right. And last but not least. Avengers Infinity War. Uh, the movie we have all been waiting for, it seems. A uh, gorgeous trailer that creates the epic feel that we want. Uh, this one is definitely thumbs up. Um, <laughs> it looks fantastic. It's reported that both movies have a combined budget of a billion dollars. <laughs> so we're talking $500 billion each movie. That's a lot of money, okay? A lot of money. It's just a tad. Yeah. So well, that's just that's just RDJ's salary. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> a good portion of it. It's like that's more than Star Wars budget to buy double. Oh yeah, like for a movie. Yeah. <laughs> it, it'll make a billion. No, no, no worries out of me. I think each movie's gonna make. My, uh, wh- my th- I think each movie's gonna my, make at least one point two billion minimum. Yeah. So my, my thumb's probably hitting orbit by now. Yeah. Definitely want to see this movie. <laughs> yeah, it's looking pretty great. So, yeah. thumbs up for me. Thumbs up for Raker. Sarah? Oh. Um, hmm. Thumbs up. Of course I'm going to okay. see it. No. I thought Dare so. defy us. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, no, no, no. You know, it's like the same thing over and over again. Thumbs Tell you what, no. though. Before we go into Star Wars, you know, I mean, this Infinity, uh, Infinity War looks wow. I'm badass. I'm, yeah, I'm just so excited. I, I mean, I'm so excited for it that I'm so excited for Black Panther. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. Jeez. This looks so amazing. Looks pretty great. It's like this is, you know, what nerds are yeah. of. <laughs> yeah, that, that might be a day off work right there. Right. Do you like podcasts about movies, television shows, books, games, and pop culture? How about sports like football and tennis? Here at Freaking Geeks Media, one of our many goals is to create a variety of podcasts that you can enjoy listening to. 
From the Freaking Geeks podcast to Hungry for Hannibal, Friday Night Mikes, the American Gods podcast, and Stranger Things, we know that giving you an assortment of options is one of the best ways of bringing you back for more. But it does take quite a bit of work and expense on our end to make these podcasts a reality. Patreon gives us the opportunity to make a living doing what we love. However, to do this, we need your help. By donating as little as a dollar a month, you get access to both past and upcoming Patreon-only content, as well as early access to regular episodes before they appear on iTunes. Other tier rewards include monthly Loot Crate giveaways, access to live broadcasts, Freaking Geeks t-shirts, magnets, and much more. We can honestly say that anything given is greatly appreciated. So, consider supporting us by going to www.patreon.com slash freaking geeks and check out what we have to offer. We think you'll like what you see and hear. Let's see. All right. All right. Let's go into yeah, right. what we all came here, what you all came here to listen to, which is, of course, is our Star Wars review. So, uh, let's start out with a one-sentence review. Um, okay. Mine is... Though not without its issues, Star Wars The Last Jedi is a compelling middle chapter in this latest trilogy. It has enough plot twists and iconic moments that remind you why you fell in love with the series in the first place. Uh, Raker, what about you? I have an entertaining sequel to the new trilogy. Star Wars The Last Jedi boasts a great cast, glorious special effects, and an intriguing story provoking you to want to see the conclusion. Hmm. In other words, the next chapter. Okay, nice. Thank you. I forgot to write one. But, um, mine would be that you know this is a you know a wonderful speeding up to a climax point where you can feel the tension building, and we're really looking forward to the conclusion. And there's some incredible character development in this one. Okay, Sarah coming unprepared. Yeah. I wrote ah, a ton of notes, but you think I see that she, part? No. <laughs> she she should have she should have done the old Charlie Brown teacher. My review is <laughs> Oh yes. How you communicate with your watches. students. Got it. <laughs> yes. That's right. Uh That's right. all right, so let's get into it. The plot synopsis. Kylo Ren, General Hux, and Supreme Leader Snoke have their sights set on ending the rebellion once and for all. Finn awakens to find Rey gone and struggles to figure out how to help her from so far away while meeting a new friend who teaches him what it means to fight. Meanwhile, Rey's expectations of what meeting Luke Skywalker might be might be like take a hit. She forces him to confront a past he desperately wishes to forget while showing him that hope is never truly dead. So, yeah, that's a pretty... Yeah. Quick yeah, synopsis. that's pretty good. Um, yeah. Without getting too spoiler there, but um, all right. So let's that's talk right. thoughts on this movie. Um, what were your first impressions, Raker, with this when you first watched it? We were, you know, I was we're down in Pittsburgh. We went together. We watched right. this movie, and I know that you came out with a certain look on your face. Would you mind telling everybody listening what your thoughts were? <laughs> oh, I'm curious how you. Uh... How you uh, was it a stone face? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Drunk I got the impression <laughs> that you were pleased. I just yeah, I was. Know. I was very. Yeah, I, as a matter of fact, I have even written here in my notes. Uh, very enjoyable film. Okay. Um, I agree with some of your thoughts, which we'll get into 
a little later um, about length of some scenes and whatever. But the overall, the overall, you know, of this movie is it's it's definitely a worthy Star Wars film. As a matter of fact, I might rank it in my top three okay. Star Wars films. Um, I mean, there were a lot of little issues, but for the most part, the entertainment value between the special effects and the casting and the acting, you know, casting and acting can sometimes go hand in hand, uh, were enough to make this very good. It's the, I think it's a very good movie. I really I really believe it. And I, I understand why it's making a gazillion dollars. <laughs> yeah, for real. Um, this movie is, like, when The Force Awakens came out, you know, I wasn't a Star Wars fan. Like, I'd seen all the previous Star Wars movies. And, you know, I thoroughly, like, I loved the originals. And I, I thoroughly enjoyed, you know, the ones that came after. But it wasn't until Force Awakens did Star Wars make me, uh, like, a mega fan. <laughs> it got me really, yeah. like, like, it was back alive. And this was no different, you know. The energy was the same. Everyone in that theater was so pumped, so excited to see it. And what a great franchise to be able to make people feel that way. And the movie was phenomenal. I mean, the whole way through certain parts of the movie, people were cheering and just having an amazing time. Like, that says something. (laughs) Yeah, you know, when I came out of the movie, I saw this three days in a row, um, actually. (laughs) Michael's our Um, diehard fan. (laughs) Right. Well, I saw it the opening night because I go opening night uh, always for Star Wars. Uh, The next day I went with a friend from work and then... You know, Raker and I both went down um, to see it together in Pittsburgh, um, which was a great experience. So my first impressions when I came out of the theater was just, honestly, it was actually pure ecstasy. I was so (laughs) pumped. And I mean, it could also be partially because I was in this theater with an amazing crowd. Yeah. uh, So much excitement. And when you're in a crowd that has that much passion for what's being shown, it has an effect on you and it's this kind of euphoric effect that you kind of run with. Uh, and it's really hard to resist. It really is. Now, after I went and saw it the next day, I know, I, I mean, not that I didn't see that there were any issues, that there were any problems with, with the movie, but you noticed them more. When I noticed them more because I went in and I started to look at it in a different light. Cause I was trying to now, now that I knew what happened, I was trying to look for things that I maybe had an issue with the niggling things in the back of my mind. Like, well, that wasn't so great. Or, you know, they could have done this better or eh, this doesn't really make a lot of sense. And so I went into the next showing looking for that specifically. And so I spotted those issues and then I went into my third showing and then I was really starting to uh, I maybe nitpick but I was really starting to pick out some things that I, I think I had some problems with. But when I first came out, I was just so excited. And and I will still contend, even though I feel like there are issues with this movie, it is still one of the best Star Wars movies ever made. And I definitely agree, Raker. I, I think this is probably top three for me. If I had to rank it, I probably would say this is number three. Um, for me personally, um, it's, it's not a bad movie at all. And I know that there are a lot of, pr- there's a lot of people out there. There's uh, fans that have some real problems with this movie. I'm ta- talking little things. I'm talking they fundamentally 
have some major issues with this movie. Some of them actually really, really hate this movie. Like with yeah. like a, like an with an undying passion. Like people they really bitching hate this about movie. the humor and just like every Star They're- Wars movie has this humor. Yeah, they kind of added it a little more, but seriously, deal with it. <laughs> you know, it's hard for me to deal with. Well, that's too bad. <laughs> yeah, well, no, I mean, I agree. I mean, there were some parts that, you know, were funny, but I think they tried to push it a little too much. Like, I thought a lot of, of the funny scenes were almost like, all right, you need a funny scene. Let's have him say this or have, you know, this happen or something. I think some were just naturally funny, like when Ray was constantly spoiling these aliens everything oh, yeah, like every time adorable. she dropped i thought that was funny and it was like kind of a natural funny thing you know as to where you know the scene was strictly made to be funny yeah um so that that's what bothered me you know i got a couple things that bothered me but that's one of them was the uh, i think they went a little overboard on the humor the only part that kind of felt forced to me but i still find the scene adorable is when luke's finally teaching her about the force and he tells her to reach out into the force she actually reaches out and he has and he's like touching her hand with the the twig or whatever and then just smacks her hand and i'm just like okay yeah, that, I mean, that, that I, was kind of a bit forced but it's it's still adorable <laughs> well they they could sell it they sell it very well yeah um daisy and mark hamill in that scene yeah. so i think in the hands of lesser actors it could have been really bad like really mm-hmm. bad but um, they managed to, I think, make it work. Maybe not perfect, but, but you know. If that was the original Annie Skywalker, Annie, Annie, you know, Anakin Skywalker, remember that little kid? Oh, right. Oh, my God. Jake Lloyd. Yeah. 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 Nevertheless, shall not back, speak to, of back to. Yeah. <laughs> He's actually not be named. Uh, so, all right. Should we go by, like, this movie's very uh, segregated with their characters. I mean, we have Rose and Finn, um, and yeah. uh, Ray's with either Kylo or Luke, and then um, you have Poe with the uh, with either Leia or the sub general. <laughs> should we kind of just go by? Yeah, I think we should go because it's split up into three separate storylines. I think exactly. we should just look at each storyline and talk about what we liked and we didn't like about each storyline. Okay, I'm for that. Uh, yeah. All right, so let's let's start out with the one that you know everybody wants to hear probably first, which is going to be, you know, Ray and Luke. You know, what did we think about the storyline? And this to me is honestly the strongest part of the movie. Anytime that we got to these scenes, this to me was where the movie was the strongest by far, um, because this is the the characters that we like, obviously. We have Luke and we know how important he is and how, you know, passionate the fan base is because he's Luke Skywalker, right? He's one of the original, uh, main, he's like the main character he's in a way. He's the main character. <laughs> um, with, you know, the original trilogy and you know, we have Ray, who's the centerpiece of the new trilogy that we're currently in. So now these two meet, what happens? You know, how does the storyline play out? And I thought that their scenes together were exceptionally effective. Uh, I think the chemistry between them is really good. Um, I think that the, uh, this just the scenes were well constructed. I think the dialogue was excellent. I think there was a lot of care put into this storyline. Yeah, they um, really wanted to do this honor and her development as a Jedi, um, or her training, what have you, it, totally honor it. 
yeah, I think it was effective. Raker, what did you think about how, you know, they constructed this storyline and how effective this whole, you know, thing was? Because obviously it, it mirrors in some ways the Luke Yoda storyline right. from Empire Strikes Back. Um, that's obvious and, and intentionally so. Um, so what were your exactly thoughts on this? Happen. Yeah. Um, I liked it. I like the dynamic between the two. I mean, I've always had issues with Ray from going from not even knowing what a lightsaber is to being so well trained with the that force. She can match Kylo Ren who's um, been training. Yeah, for- yeah. Understandable. That's all. That's yeah. always that's always bothered yeah. me. Uh, but you know, at least now she's in training with the Jedi. You know, Luke Skywalker. So now it's going to start to make a little more sense. Now she can you know lift rocks. I mean? So. <laughs> Yeah, now she can do things, and you're like, okay, you know, she trained under Luke Skywalker, so I get it. Uh, but no, the dynamic between the two was good. I like the training, you know, the things he had her doing, and I like that whole, uh, you know, that dark cavernous thing that she went through. The island's asshole, uh, which is pretty yeah, much yeah, what it was. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, pretty much, yeah, and I, I like that. I thought that was pretty cool. kind of reminded me of, you know, of course, when in Empire with Luke, you know, when he Went into the, the cave. Yeah, the yeah. cave and all that. With, I mean, it kind of reminded me. I mean, I see a lot of, you know, comparisons, yeah. correlations. <laughs> but, you know, no, overall, I thought it was, I thought it was interesting. I liked it. It was well done. Yeah. Uh, I really liked it, too, because I liked that they didn't keep Luke, um, you know, like he was in the originals. Uh, his character development's great, that he's kind of this just really grumpy old man who's got this little bit of crude humor about him, and he's pretty serious, and but also not being serious at the same time. It's it's really good. I like I like the you know the difference between who he was see, and who he's now. See, okay, I was just gonna say in a way I like it, in a way I don't like because I mean thinking of the first three movies he was in. He did not have much humor no. to him at all. It was strictly, you know, I want to learn, I want to learn, then it's strictly revenge. You know what I mean? I have to destroy Darth Vader. And then in this movie, right off the bat, oh, he grabs a lightsaber <laughs> and throws it behind him. You know, see, me personally, I didn't <laughs> think that was funny. Just does not give a shit anymore. <laughs> yeah, but that, see, to me, that bothered me. I didn't like that. Uh, everyone in the theater's like, <gasps> no. I just, I, I was like, no, I like the more serious mm-hmm. Luke. Um, but okay, okay. You know, the one that doesn't drink preference. milk from the <laughs> yeah, like that scene was not even needed. No. And Michael's going to get to this, and you know, because I read his notes, <laughs> um, there was a lot of uh, you know parts that weren't needed. Like you could have cut twenty minutes out of this film, and I think it still would have been as good. Better. I like the and better, <laughs> and we'll, we'll get to that. We'll get to that because we've got to get you know we'll better get to that here in a well, bit. Well said, Michael. But I also. Like the way that Raid treads between one story but two people telling that story. And Hmm. it's Luke's side and Kylo Ren's side, and both of them are true. I mean, what happened to Kylo Ren is a direct result, and who he became is a direct result of what Luke did. And it was a moment of weakness for Luke, and he was going to take it back, but Kylo Ren had to wake up in that moment. And it fucked everything up. <laughs> and Yeah, no, I, I I like that aspect. I think that's yeah, really if cool. If I was Ben Solo, I'd be pretty pissy too. <laughs> I, I wouldn't be happy if yeah. I woke up someone's gonna kill me. <laughs> I can see yeah. him being filled with like the dark side. It makes sense, you know. It kind of um makes up for him being like 
you know, everyone calls him like emo Kylo Ren in the very first one. Right. But you know, now we have like some background to why he is the way he is, and it makes sense. It's not just like I'm yeah. broody and dark, and I want to be like my grandfather. <laughs> right. Um. Well, let me let, let me ask both you guys this question. Okay. Do you think? Uh, did you ever catch yourselves in the movie saying? I want Kylo Ren to turn good, or I want him to remain bad. I know that's really basic language there, but what did you guys I think? like that he treads in between almost, and I think that goes for both him and Rey, and I like that. that you know, she is more in the light, he's more in the dark, but neither of them, you know, it's, it's all circumstances for them, but that's not, that's only what they happen to end up in. But I mean, like, during the movie, were you saying, were you one of the people in the camp that was saying, all right, I hope he turns no, good? Be, that would be way too easy. That, or were you one that said, you know what, you know what I mean? I hope he stays the heel. I hope he stays the antagonist. I hope he stays the heel. I, still be, I hope he stays the yeah. antagonist. In fact, if anything, yeah. I would have been much more interested in him staying the heel and the antagonist and having Ray join him. Yeah, that definitely would have been I a twist. I think that, you know, making him turn would good nice. would be too much like having Darth Vader turn good. I, mm, I much rather yeah, would have, I want to see Ray, I wanted to see Ray really be tested. Um, and I'm, I'm wondering if we're going to see this eventually because I know on the island in that scene where Luke was training her and you remember she went to as Yuso. <laughs> wonderfully called it the asshole of the island and or the the dark hole whatever you want to call it um and when she went in there and she didn't even try to resist that's exactly what luke said he said you know you went straight to the dark side you didn't even try to resist so but what she does that doesn't mean know better that's the thing well, it's that, that it's you know not what the bad it's not the dark side to her it's just curiosity on what it is i understand that but it could also be an indication to us, the audience, that this is someone who could be very susceptible in the right yeah. circumstances to going to the dark side. So it could be like a little hint to us saying, hey, you know, at some point she could turn. Uh, we don't know yeah. that. I mean, I think an interesting thing for the next movie, and I know we're just talking about this, but, you know, what if, what if it were to switch sides? What if Ray were to go dark and Kylo Ren would find some ray of light and it would be switched? You know? I don't, like, I, I understand, like, it would be a good twist, but I don't think that's going to happen. What I, don't I do think, so think is going to happen is that they're both going to, you know, step aside from their sides, find this middle ground, and try and, join alliances and see who will follow them. Like he is closer to that than ever before. And almost like where he almost made sense after they, you know, killed Snoke and all the Knights of Ren. And he was talking about making his own order. And she raised like out the door, like, okay, crazy person. And, but it's not that crazy if they make an order that's, Literally composed of people of the middle ground who aren't light or dark. Well, I think that's what's going to happen. The great Jedi is what they're they might be trying to yeah. do with Hint the great at. Jedi being. Uh, it's not about being in the the dark or the light. It's about you know more or less just being in the middle, really. Yeah, exactly. I think that's what's going to happen with them. All right. So before we uh, get any further here, I want to ask you guys a question. 
So you were talking, Sarah, about Luke's portrayal in this movie. Yeah. And I know that there are a lot of fans out there that have a real problem with how you know he was portrayed here. Um, that he wasn't more like the the Luke Skywalker from the original trilogy. And I just wanted to offer up my opinion. All right. So my opinion on the whole, this whole thing, and I know it's a real sticking point to some fans out there. But for me, I didn't have a problem with it because we have to remember something. It's been 30 years, over 30 years. Yeah. All right. And if you were to jump ahead 30 years in your life and see the person that you will become, some people, granted, are not that different from the person they were 30 years ago. And there are other people who are vastly different from the person they were, you know, 30 years prior. You know, so to me to say, oh, I don't like this portrayal of Luke Skywalker because he's not my Luke. You know, that was a hashtag on Twitter, not my Luke. Um, that to me is just, it, well, honestly, it's annoying because yeah, you're, you're, you're trying to say that a guy, a character who you last saw, you know, a long time ago. A long, where, long okay, time ago. <laughs> think about, yeah, a long, long time ago. <laughs> in a galaxy um, far away. <laughs> right. You're trying to say, okay, in 30 years, with all the things he's gone through, the things we know about <coughs> and the things we don't know about, because obviously there's a lot of other things that happened, in, you know, after the end of um, Return of the Jedi. You know, between the end of Return of the Jedi and the end of Force Awakens, a lot has gone down, some of it good and some of it bad. Some we know about and some we don't. And so to say that this isn't my Luke Skywalker because he's not the the uh, kid staring off at the horizon in A New Hope, uh, or even the guy who seeked vengeance at the end of Return of the Jedi, that's just... And it's an, it's an annoying... I guess it's an annoying point of view to me because it... it it means that you're so blinded by how you feel like this character needs to be portrayed based on how it used to be portrayed all those years ago that you can't accept that a character could have changed over time. Anyway, I yes. wanted to get your guys' thoughts and opinions on this because I know it's a big sticking point with a lot of fans out there. Yeah, I totally agree with you. And you know, they have to also look at the situation he was in. You know, he was the Jedi Master training, you know, say like 20 new Padawans. He's got... You know, all these kids he's training, and he's responsible for them. And then there's this one that's got a ton of this dark energy that he's concerned about. Yeah, He's human. He can make a mistake and, you know, have a moment of weakness where he wants to prevent anything from happening to those other kids he's responsible for. It's not, it's not crazy. <laughs> Anyone might consider doing that, ending it then and there. Even if it is his nephew, technically. <laughs> Yeah. Raker, what about you? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I was all right with the way he was portrayed. You know what I mean? As going through this, you know, like Sarah just said about, you know, he thought that Kylo Ren, you know, had this evil to him and he had to stop it for the benefit of the universe. Um, so I know I, I'm, I don't know why everyone was having a big fit. You know, why the, a lot of these people that are critical of this movie, that is one of their big things is, oh, I don't like the way they have Luke and Mark Hamill. Now, as a matter of fact, Mark Hamill was pretty much the same way. Um, so, you know, I can't say I'm blown away by people being critical of that. Uh, 
But, I mean, I get it. You know what I mean? Like, it didn't blow my mind. It didn't change my perception of Luke Skywalker, you know? I mean, like, he's been around a long time. He did all this training. He's a Jedi. He's made mistakes. He's, you know. He has weakness like anybody else. Yeah, yeah, I I was not critical of that aspect of him you know a lot of fans are but no that i was all right with the way they wrote yeah. him. i mean look yoda even said when we saw yoda yoda um he sees luke he even tells him you did not listen to the advice i gave you you know <laughs> pass on what you have learned and in the biggest thing and one of the best you know parts of the entire movie for me is when yoda said more or less and i'm paraphrasing here you know that failure is the greatest teacher yep you know mm-hmm. and in the problem with luke is that he failed yes he did and he lost something I mean, he lost a lot but just because you've lost something doesn't mean you quit trying and you quit learning and you try to do better next time uh, that's the mistake that luke made you know and yeah. even after all these years you know yoda could still pass on some great knowledge, some great wisdom to a great Jedi who might need to, who might need, you know, a little bit of counseling, really, which is what I think sure. at this point Luke needed. Yeah, I love that we got to see Yoda. Yeah. And it was yeah. wonderful and to have him mostly be kind of sassy was great. Like just, ah, burn it down. <laughs> The only yeah. thing I didn't like is that he was like half puppet, half animated. Yeah, and you could really tell. Yeah, yeah, I, I hit on that in the special yeah. effects section. Okay. So. I was like, you know, go one way or the other. Hear me roar! Don't just be half and half. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, he was like, I mean, he's just sitting there. He's not doing jumps or flips or anything like that. Just, just have a puppet, guys. <laughs> Calm down. <laughs> did you like the but, uh, Did you like the connection between Ray and uh, Kylo Ren? I thought that was well That's done. That's my li- favorite part. I liked how they did it in this movie. They they, they showed her staring well. at him and cutting away to her, you know, her viewpoint. Rather than, and they only had yeah. one scene where they showed them actually together in the same scene. Yep. And I thought that was just well done. Yeah, it was. But of course it raises the question why this connection? Right. I have a theory. <laughs> it's it's a it's yeah. um Probably far-fetched, <laughs> but um, I actually think that this isn't, like, meeting her isn't the first time Kellerman's met her. I think that, um, uh, okay, so I think she was the youngest Padawan in the training group for um, Luke's, you know, trainers, trainees, and I think that... Ben couldn't, like, when he massacred every, all the Padawans and then took a few for himself, uh, his Knights of Ren, um, I think she, she was the youngest one and he, he was conflicted, couldn't kill her, and left her on Jakku. And it's a little backed up by In the Force Awakens um, when he finds out that, you know, his rogue stormtrooper has taken the droid off to Jakku and escaped and whatever. Um, he has a flip out, but then the guy says, and a girl went with him and he just force chokes the hell out of him. And he's like, what girl in panic? Like he knows like what the hell is going on. Like he knows this girl. And also in the force awakens when she goes into Maze's bar, 
Um, and she hears like her younger self crying, goes and finds Luke's saber. She has these memories, and we're meant to think it's the Force calling to her, but her memories are hers and of um, Kylo Ren's. I think that's their first connection that actually happened in the previous movie. So you think that the whole her parents were junk traders kind of thing it's is true. It's just a lie? You think it was implanted yeah, I think by Luke Snoke? Luke was the one that bought her. <laughs> and I, I think that... Either Luke or Ben fragmented her memories, so she doesn't remember. All she remembers is being dumped on Jakku. Because also, the ship that dumped her on dumped her on Jakku was a nice-looking ship. It wasn't junk traders dumping her on a random planet. So that's my theory. I know okay. it's kind of it's far-fetched, but I think that's the connection. And it's also kind of backed up when she goes into the darkness of the island and she's looking into the mirror. She sees her parents coming towards her. They turn into the silhouette of uh, Kylo Ren and then she sees her own reflection. I think that's the people that's abandoned her previously in her life. And I think that also like he was the one that left her as well as her parents. (laughs) Okay. I mean, it's a very, you know, the thing is there's a lot of theories out there. Uh, Yeah. I follow. On one hand, I could see uh, that the whole junk traders left her. You know, could be exactly what it is. It, it could be the actual, you know, truth. Yeah. But I also can um, honestly believe that this is a red herring meant to throw us off, uh, because so much has been, uh, well, so much time has been spent on questioning who her parents are and you know there's there's all these expectations about who so i could see it being a lie is as well so who knows at this point but uh yeah. it is interesting i rewatched the force awakens last night and there's also when she goes and meets luke on the island and there's that long like stare between the two of them for the movie ends his first reaction is a glimmer of recognition just it's small that it's there. So I think she's tied to them somehow. Okay. Uh, Rick, yeah, any, any thoughts totally to that? <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't really, you know what right, I mean? Right. I didn't really think, I mean, I know there's a connection there and I'm just going to let the movie explain it. I'm okay. not going to try to figure it out at All this right. point. Okay. So, um, Let's let's move on to a different uh, storyline here. So, let's move on to the uh, uh, pulling up the the Rose and uh, Finn and Finn storyline. So <laughs> this is Finn, the one that most people don't like, right? So so this uh, Finn wakes up, finds out that Ray is gone, ends up meeting Rose as he tries to escape, right? Because he needs to go try to find Ray uh, to keep her from coming back so that she doesn't die. And in doing so, they end up going to this planet. Um, I'm pulling a blank on the name of the planet right now, uh, so I do apologize for that. I don't remember either. But it's it's a it, I call it the casino planet. Yeah, yeah pretty much. Um, this whole storyline for me felt ancillary. It was there are some things in the storyline which are important. There are some things that I feel like kind of forced them to continue doing this storyline. Uh, but I almost wonder if even Ryan Johnson 
at some point thought, yeah, I really wish I could edit this out, but uh, I really can't. <laughs> because there's there Honestly, thing. if they edited the whole thing out, it would change nothing. But yeah. I like the fact that it's there. There's a lot of great themes in it that I think are, you know, important to a Star Wars movie. Um, I mean, and it's also, I think there's quite a bit of Carrie Fisher in them, especially with the treatment of animals. That's very her. I I can see her having some influence on that storyline. Do you remember the last time you picked up a pen and noticed the quality? How about a razor you handled that didn't feel cheaply made? When was the last time a product made a true and lasting impression on you? In this era of the mass-produced and disposable, anything lovingly handcrafted seems to be a rare thing. Maybe it's time for a change, and Spindlecraft can help. At Spindlecraft, passion and superior quality make it stand out from the faceless, automated crowd. Material for each piece of work is thoughtfully chosen, crafted, sanded, and finally polished with the kind of attention to detail and dedication you can't get off of an assembly line. At Spindlecraft, they know that quality of the material is as important as the quality of the craftsmanship and is a reflection of both the artist and the customer. So rather than buying some cheap pens or razors that you won't give a second thought, purchase something from Spindlecraft. To see what they have to offer, go to www.spindlecraft.com and at the checkout, enter the word GEEKS. That's G-E-E-K-S to get 10% off. We're sure that once you have a Spindlecraft product in your hand, you won't want to put it down. Yeah, I mean, I, I get that. I, I understand those are there are some things in the storyline which are cool, but there's also a lot of fluff to me. Uh, just a lot Benicio of... Benicio Del Toro was just like, why are you even here? <laughs> well, okay. Even yeah. if his character ends up being bigger in the next movie... Okay, I understand. He's kind of introduced here, and maybe he'll play a bigger role in the next movie. Or maybe he was supposed to have a bigger role in this movie, but ended up getting cut down in uh, editing. But either way, I, I just I didn't really love this storyline. It it didn't feel that important, and they didn't accomplish anything at all that they set out to do. They never really found the code breaker, supposedly. Now, some people are saying that he actually is the code breaker they were supposed to find that the guy at the casino table, the one with the red, uh, the, the red, um, flower, the lip on his lapel, that that wasn't the code breaker that the, you know, Benicio del Toro's character <coughs> actually was the one they were looking for. But let's just say for a second that it plays out like the movie says, and that they just got kind of lucky and found a code breaker. It's then they ultimately never accomplished anything. They never found the code breaker they were supposed to find. Um, they never found, or uh, they never got in to d- destroy the ship. It ended up getting destroyed for them by a different character. Uh, so when you look at Rose and Finn's storyline, it's just a series of accomplishing nothing they set out to do, actually, you know? So there was that. Yeah, and it it can't be the code breaker because you know this was a recommendation from Maze, and she knows her people. Like she's over a thousand years old, she wouldn't send them to somebody who's yeah. going to sell them out to the first order. True, that's true. True. So yeah, for me, it's just 
there were some cool storylines or there were some cool moments. I mean, here, uh, some funny scenes from time to time, but I felt like if they cut out about 15 to 20 minutes here, um, just cut out the whole casino. Honestly, uh, they could have, yeah. they could have found their way onto the ship somehow and they could have just altered the storyline a bit. And I think the movie would have been tighter. I think it would have been better for it. Um, I don't know. What were you guys' thoughts on this? I know, Sarah, you said you liked the storyline. What about you, Raker? Like, I don't mind it. I don't hate it as much as um, everybody else. <laughs> I like it if. I think the only purpose like it for it Benicio is that that Toro's kid is going to have something DJ to do with the next movie. Comes back again. A la Lego okay. Calrissian. Um, I like it. You know what I mean? Then I'm like, okay, that's good that we did have that little scene in, you know, uh, Last Jedi. So that way it kind of establishes him in the next movie. So I'll be all right with it that way. Um, but I, I, I agree with you. Like it, it was unnecessary. I think it was just like, Hey, let's, let's make more of Rose's character. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Let's, let's just do more for Rose here. And it's like, yeah. And then let's, let's show our empathy or sympathy rather for animals. And let's, let's tie in our storyline about, you know, using kids as slaves. You know what I mean? It's almost like, it's almost like Disney or the writers got on their little soapbox and they <laughs> put all these little, you know, all their little ideas, their little Aesop's fables, tied them into, you know, this scene. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Into oh, the story it, line, don't yeah. judge. Yeah, yeah, don't. Yeah, into the storyline. Yeah, don't judge a book by its cover. A la, you know, DJ. Um, be be nice to animals. A la Rose. Um, Kids are slaves. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and it's like, well, now you know, that Ray, it's almost like they're trying. It's like they were trying to ra- raise some type of social awareness yeah. out of this storyline. I, I felt like I was being preached right. to too much, and that bothered me. You know what and I mean? I felt that they need to give Finn a different romantic interest because Ray's a little busy with her new connection. Mm, yeah, which felt very forced to me. Yeah. Um, I yeah, I wish they would have kept them as just. Let me put it yep. this way. You could feel there, there's like a really good chemistry between John Boyega and Daisy Ridley. Okay. Uh, yeah. to the point where I, I easily bought this kind of romantic connection in Force Awakens. And they didn't, they didn't try to shove it in our face too much. I mean, I thought it was done just right, actually. Um, in this movie, you're right. It felt like they were trying to force somebody between, you know, uh, Finn and Ray, which I didn't feel was necessary. They could have just, they could have had Rose be a good character. They could have had her teach Ray, or not sorry, teach Finn what it meant to fight. Like, that's what she teaches Finn to do here. She teaches him to actually pick a side and stick with it. And sometimes, be willing to risk yourself for the greater good. You know, that's kind of what she teaches him in this movie to fight for something uh, because she so obviously fights for, you know, the rebellion. Um, but in the process, it was like, okay, now we're suddenly going to make her fall in love with Finn. Yeah. We're going to throw this kiss in there and it's going to ruin everything. Yeah. And, it, and by the way, um, before we get any further, can someone please tell me what the timeline is for this movie? Yeah, that was another thing too, where like 
you know, she was on that island for what seemed like weeks, but all the occurrences of uh, with Leia and uh, the First Order and then Finn and Rose, they seem to happen within hours. I would say a day at most. Yeah. <laughs> right? So I don't understand. I mean, if you're talking about the timelines matching up, you know, in terms of like we see what is happening as the events are happening elsewhere, as the events are happening with, you know, Leia and in, in Poe, you know, et cetera, et cetera, then like she's there for a day, day and a half, you know? Yeah. I, I, I don't know. Um, but it, it still, what that says to me is, boy, uh, Rose, you sure are, you know, falling pretty quickly for a guy you just met. <laughs> right? <laughs> you met this guy 24 hours ago. Well, okay. you have, you have to remember that? though, Michael, you have to remember when she first meets him, she's like, are you the, you're the hero. Thin? You know what I mean? Yeah, like it's like you know, like if you met Brie Larson, and, <laughs> that's uh, true. He would just you know, like e- even though do you want my foot, even though my you, foot. <laughs> <laughs> even though you don't really know her, I bet if you spent a day and a half with her, Michael, you might be in love with her. I'm not sure. He wouldn't need um, a day and a half. He'd need an hour. <laughs> but you know, you know how it is when you emulate, you know, someone so much that you know what I mean. That that's true. Obviously, you could easily have feelings for them because you know. You know, she just emulated him just ridiculously, like from the, when they first met. So that's really the only excuse I can give that right. part of it. You know what I mean? I mean, that's right. that's all. Well, anyway, getting back to you know uh, the storyline, um, the casino, uh, the, the the whole let's ride the animals, and oh by the way, let's destroy the casino in the process. Uh, whatever. Uh, yeah. Yeah, the whole problem with that storyline yeah. is it felt the most like the prequels to me. It did. It felt like yep. a scene that I could have seen in one of the prequel yep. Star Wars movies. Um, yep. Trying a little too hard. Uh, like you said, Raker, trying to get on the soapbox, you know, trying a little too hard there, trying to be a little too preachy at times. Um, stuffing in a storyline which ultimately doesn't really have any significant weight on anything that happens in the other events in you know in the movie doesn't have any effect on Ray's storyline doesn't have any effect obviously on yeah. Carrie Fisher and Poe Dameron's storyline whatsoever because they like I said they never accomplish anything they went out uh, to do uh, from the get go so it's basically these two characters that bumble around don't accomplish anything and there we are so yeah um yeah. Yeah, I agree. It's kind of a eh storyline. Like, I do like parts of it, and I kind of like that there is a storyline that, you know, their efforts don't yield in helping others, and that's just life. And I like that they did put that in there, because, you know, it's not always like, hey, we're going to go out and save and help the planet and, you know, save our rebellion and yada, yada, yada. Like, sometimes shit just falls through and that happens in life. And so I don't mind that that's actually in there, but the storyline could have been better. Yeah. Uh, before we move on to Carrie Fisher, or Carrie Fisher, uh, before we move on to Leia and Poe, um, Captain Phasma, um, boy, what a letdown. Um yeah. <laughs> like, you have this awesome actress, bitching actress, yeah. and, like, I personally don't think she could possibly be dead. I mean, you just watch her fall, you don't see her die. 
Like, there's no way. There's still going to be more fighting from her. But it's still, like, okay. That was kind of a weak, you know. Like, there was a lot of, like... In The Force Awakens, she was just like, I'm going to make you pay for this. And, you know, you could see vengeance was on her mind. And she could, you know... It's like they made her weak because she was a woman. <laughs> I, I don't think it. Was... I think it was just. Be- I think time constraints probably are what forced this. I think they were originally planning on doing a lot more with her character, and it just didn't happen. Uh, it's not. A, it's an unfortunate thing because the the Force Awakens set her up as a really cool yeah. character, and I know people a complained badass. that. Could yeah, have been the Boba right, Fett. She's the Bo- Yeah, yes, right. She is yes. the Boba Fett of this trilogy. Because they set her up in The Force Awakens to be, like, this awesome character. And people complained after that movie that, you know, she her character wasn't really done justice. That there was so much more potential there. And then we go into this movie thinking, finally, we're going to get this, you know, potential fulfilled. And what we got was mm, potential neutered. So... Uh, yeah. she she apparently dies now. Maybe she isn't dead, but if she is dead, then it's like, man, it, it's hell? one of those characters that just never yeah. really bloomed, you know? Yeah, I mean, here she is wearing the coolest stormtrooper right. outfit of all time, you know, chrome st- stormtrooper outfit, totally. You know, and, and then lo and behold, she has like once again barely any time, and she dies. Like, okay. You know that that yeah they they did not do her justice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But before we also get to Leia, we should talk about um, Ray and Kylo and Snoke. Oh right, um, that badass scene. So that scene, yeah. So Ray coming back, she leaves. It comes to uh, because she wants to try and turn Ben, uh, aka Kylo Ren, and uh, they go to the throne room and it's a really cool scene Snoke is in command uh, much like the Emperor was in the original trilogy Uh, but there's some cool twists here Uh, the way they do things uh, they kind of alter your expectations for how the scene is going to play out and they they do pull a pretty good one on I think the audience here and uh what I liked about this was that they did it in an ingenious way through some excellent editing where they made sure that Snoke placed the lightsaber down beside him. And so when he was reading Ben's thoughts, now I know there are some complaints from people that say, well, you know, if he, if he knows Kylo Ren's thoughts so well, he would know his intentions and his intentions being, I'm turning this lightsaber so I can shoot it through your body. Um, and kill you. But in, in the way the scene plays out, I liked that, you know, him turning the lightsaber towards Rey, towards her face, happened in the same moment where Kylo Ren was turning the lightsaber towards Snoke with the lightsaber sitting beside him. And then when the lightsaber turned on, instead of obviously him killing Rey, it was the lights that were going through Snoke, and I thought that was just a brilliant way yeah. for that to happen, and uh, a cool twist there. Uh, definitely altered uh, the entire storyline. Yeah, I know people were disappointed. They wanted some big showdown with Snoke, 
But I kind of like this route because, you know, they've done the, you know, big showdown with the Supreme Leaders and, you know, the Masters and what have you. They've done that. You know, it turned out that this guy, Snoke, who was, you know, in The Force Awakens, he made through this, like, terrifying, enormous, you know, force to fear. And it's just this, you know, deformed old guy in a gold dress (laughs) sitting on a fucking throne. And, you know, he can be outwitted. Instead of using, you know, your powers to overpower him, you can just outsmart him. And I kind of like that they went in that direction. And the fighting with Rey and Kylo together is my favorite scene. And the fact that he and her killed the the Knights of Ren, those were his Padawans that he brought from the Jedi Temple. So they're all gone. I don't know that those were the Knights of Ren. I don't actually think those were the Knights of Ren at all. No, no. I think the Knights of Ren are, uh, I think the Knights of Ren are already dead. I think, I believe, and this is my opinion, I think that Snoke forced Kylo Ren to kill the Knights of Ren years ago in order to show him his true allegiance. (coughs) Sorry. (coughs) You could be right. So, for me, I don't think that was. I think they would have made that a little more apparent. Yeah. I think they were just like the Crimson Guard. You know what I mean? From, uh, you know, same one that the emperor had all those dudes in the yeah. It's the it's the it's you know the, I mean? the uh, Praetorian guard. So, yeah, the Praetorian. Oh, guard. okay, yeah. So, yeah, um, yeah, Raker, you have any other thoughts on this uh, portion? No, I yeah, I was I scene. love that scene. Yeah. That was an amazing scene, and I like the way that you know mm. I, I did not see that coming, yep. and that's what impressed me. You know, I did not see that's how he was going to go. I thought maybe, you know, Ray and. Kylo Ren were just going to pull some cool trick off at the end, you know, just those two battling Snoke, and eventually they just overpower him and kill him, but that was that was pretty neat the way they had him die. Yeah. I thought that was awesome. So, yeah, no, that's a fantastic scene, and the choreography <sighs> of having Ren and um, Ray and Kylo Ren fight the, whatever these guards are. I thought that was yeah. cool. Yeah, it was a very you know, awesome it, scene. Yeah, because those guards were, yeah, they were pretty tough dudes, you know what I mean? Or girls or whatever they were. They were tough because, man, you know, you have Jedis that had a hard time defeating yeah, them. They were well-trained. You know? Yes, That's, they were. And I like the... So, and I appreciated the I like fact that, you know that I mean? they it wasn't were just, hard to beat. Like, this isn't your standard yeah. stormtrooper yeah. who can't hit the broadside of yep. a barn with a, <laughs> with a laser bl- uh, pistol. <laughs> right. Or a blaster, I mean. And uh, right. that these guards actually were hard to beat for once and it's nice to see that every once in a while that you have you know, some of these enemies that you know, you know can legitimately you know kill the heroes uh without that it just feels too easy and the fact that they didn't have you know ray and kylo join up forces then and there like that would have been way too easy way too clean cut you know the fact that there's still conflict between them and he still wants something different than she wants is good yeah, keep that dynamic yep. there. Mm-hmm. All right, let's move on to the uh, the Poe Dameron and the uh, Leia stuff. So early on in the movie, we see Poe. He destroys uh, what's that thing called again? Um, that giant ship at the very beginning of the the movie. Oh, wow. um, oh man, uh, like a, f- a fleet destroyer. Yeah. Was it something a juggernaut? No. Something was. It was like it, it wasn't called juggernaut. juggernaut, but it was something like that. Um, 
But anyway, okay. if you've seen the movie, you know what I'm talking about. And uh, but anyway, he just <laughs> they destroy the ship, but at the cost of a bunch of you know other uh, rebellion fighters, um, bringing this thing down a great victory, but at what cost? And that's kind of the crux of his storyline in this movie is him learning to under you know to understand what it means to balance. Uh, the cost of human life over, you know, succeeding on a, on like a plan, like defeating the enemy or taking out one of their ships or whatever. You have to weigh the cost because, you know, human life means something. It's just not a number. And it's something that I feel like his character is, I think, a bit of a hothead, but he needs to learn this. And I think that. Leon knows that he's the future of the rebellion, and so this is an important point for him to learn. And so we get this uh, thing where you know, for some people, it, they were critical. They didn't like that Poe just kind of was there. You know, he didn't do much in their eyes, and I can understand some people's complaints and how they might look at it. But I felt like his character, while not big in terms of action in this movie, like let's jump jump into the cockpit cockpit of a, a fighter plane and go out and shoot things um i think his progression as a character was welcomed for me at least because we saw him gradually begin to understand you know over the course of the movie you know we see him kind of butt heads a little bit with leia then leia uh gets you know uh pulled out into space you know, we think she's going to die. She kind of comes back into the ship with the, with the force. And then... Um, that was another scene that a lot of people were bitching about, that she flew through space and didn't, like, explode in space. But that is a Jedi trick that's part of their training uh, in force people who are force-sensitive, that they can do that. They create um, a force bubble around themselves with enough oxygen to survive for a couple minutes. That's something in the lore. Yeah. Yeah, and I I liked it, and so, you know, then that happens, and um, Laura Dern's character, um, oh, what's it? Yeah, she did a great job. Yeah. Loved her. It sucks that she got it, but yeah, you know, she was great for her part. Yeah, yeah, she she was very pivotal for her part. I yeah, she did a good job. Yeah, and it, it was great the way they set it up too that we didn't actually know whether you know we could trust, you know, the direction she was going to take because she's not our leader right. or if she was actually, you know, doing the right thing. Right. Admiral Holdo. And yeah. I-, I liked it too. I, I agree. I think w- it was great that for the longest time we weren't sure whether she was somebody who had the best interest of the rebellion at heart or whether she was someone who was very weak and simply the next in line. Um, yeah. And we yeah. saw, again, this... You know, her or Poe butting heads with her. He's thinking that she's just weak. She doesn't know what she's doing or she's not willing to to fight when, in fact, we know that the opposite is true. She She's not telling Poe because she feels it's in the best interest of everybody that he doesn't know because he, I think she knows that he might have some thoughts on it. Uh, he might fight her on it, and they all need to stick together. He's an act now kind of right. person who is good at getting people to rebel around him and follow his mm-hmm. lead. 
So uh, one of the best scenes in here in this movie, maybe the best scene, in my opinion, is when uh, Leia wakes up because Poe has taken over the ship, ends up, you know, <laughs> taking down Poe himself. <laughs> they load everybody up on the escape ships and they kind of hightail it out of there. And Holdo ends up remaining because they need somebody who to remain to, you know, pilot the ship. And when she sees that some of the the ships, the escape ships, are being attacked, she turns the 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 ship around and then uses <laughs> the hyperdrive to blast through uh, Snoke's ship. This massive ship. She it, it is awesome. amazing. There is a ten second span of pure silence, and it is maybe the best scene in the entire movie. Fantastic stuff. So anyway, Raker, what were your thoughts on this whole portion of the uh, storyline? Everyone knows that iTunes reviews really helps their podcast reach more people. But did you know that rating and reviewing us on iTunes will benefit you as well? Every month we'll be noting who rated and reviewed us across all of our podcasts. Doing so will put you in the running for a gift from our sponsor, Spindlecraft. If you rate and review one of our podcasts, you will gain one entry. If you rate two, you gain two entries, and so on. This allows us to give a little something back for taking the time to rate and review our podcasts. You'll continue to be eligible to win each month for six months, or until the sponsorship ends. Winners will not be authorized to win again. It only takes a few minutes, but we think it's worth it. You should, too. Uh, you know, it's okay. entertaining. I liked it. I mean, I really don't know what to say beyond what you guys have both said. Like, you know, it was it was what it was, and it was cool to watch. You know, Holdo go from the character I thought, oh man, she's you know she's a bum. <laughs> she doesn't belong Poe's, here. Yeah, and Poe's going to end up saving the day at the end, and then it turns out that she kind of you know saves yeah. the day at the end. Yeah, so I like that. That was once again some good writing. Yeah. You know, I like that. So defies our expectations. That's what makes. Yeah, I mean, there's you know, there's at least two or three instances in the movie, and we've discussed the other ones that I was, you know, surprised by. You know, I didn't figure out, and they they surprised me with it, and then pleasantly. They took things in a different direction that other Star Wars movies haven't. So they defied our expectations. Uh, All right, so um, this whole thing happens, uh, and. That leads us to the last bit of the movie, right? So this is where our storylines begin to converge, right? So Poe and everybody gets down to the surface of this planet because they're heading there as a, a way of uh, setting up a base there, at least till help comes. Uh, that also means that, that Finn and Poe, um, or not Finn and Poe, Finn and Rose make their way there. Um, and that's when Kylo marshals the forces. Snoke's dead, right? So uh, he is now more or less the supreme leader, and in control. So <laughs> he makes yes. it known. <laughs> I love when he's there in front of the the big door. He's got his like army, which got down there really fast, by the way. Um, down there, and the one guy, I think Hux, is arguing with him, and he just like smashes him against. the or, and the guy driving things like yes sir <laughs> like right away sir <laughs> like not not dealing with that at all <laughs> it was funny 
Um, yeah, uh, I like that. I like that. E- even though like he couldn't pull the trigger and kill his mother, and he couldn't kill Ray, uh, that you know Luke is the one person he's most pissed at, and that you know it's definitely known in this scene. Like this is the most badass. This is one of my favorite scenes. Is him just telling the entire fleet to start shooting at Luke. The dust settles, and Luke just like brushes his shoulder off. Everyone in the theater just cheered at that moment. Yep. Like, that's our badass Luke. Uh, yeah, it, the, the whole scene was pretty great. Uh, you know, we saw the whole blasting scene, and, and of course, you know, he's not dead. We knew, we pretty much knew that. Uh, and then, Rake, you said that you didn't see it coming. You didn't, you didn't notice the red, the red sand. I think so. Didn't you want to tell me that uh, during the fight, like you didn't notice that like, while Kylo Ren, like when he was fighting Kylo Ren, that you didn't notice that Kylo Ren, like that the the red the red oh, underneath, yeah, and that yeah. with Luke, it, it there was nothing. Like he didn't make any kind of impression. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't pick. Yeah, yeah. I didn't well, pick up on that. I was. I think. I think in that scene, I was just disappointed in the sense that. I wanted to see Luke literally battle an entire army. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Here he is, supposedly the most powerful Jedi. I wanted to see him literally like deflect lasers with his lightsaber. I wanted to see him scale the legs of the at-ats. And, you know what I mean? I wanted to see some badass action out mm-hmm. of Luke. You know what I mean? Well, this moment- and then have this... It, it's a drawback from like the very beginning of the movie where he's talking to Ray and he says to her, "What do you think I'm gonna do? Like go up against the entire army and take them all down?" And he's like, "You, your right. expectations are too high of me." <laughs> and here he goes right. and goes up against the, te- the whole army, technically. <laughs> yeah, you know, kind of spirit spiritually. Forcefully. Which I have to, you have to admit, I mean, yeah. the, the fact that he's projecting that across that vast distance is pretty impressive. Okay, here here it is. I gotta get this off my chest. I am tired of every time we see a Star Wars movie, we see a Jedi pull out a new trick, but yet we don't see a Jedi do all the tricks. Right. Okay. Alright. Okay, for example, you know, Ray learns how to lift, like, rocks and (laughs) stuff, right? I've never seen that happened before. I've never, you know, I saw Luke lift his X-Wing at Dagobah mm-hmm. out. You know what I mean? In the original three, well, we'll call them the three, the prequels. Remember how they used to hop 20 feet in the air and they were like supreme mm-hmm. swordsmen, right? Like right. almost like martial artists. I've never seen that again. Um, you know, here we have Carrie Fisher floating through space. I've never seen that before. I think it's also a difference um, in training, too. Like, yeah, but why can't... Why, yeah, but I mean, if you're a Master Jedi... That's my phone. If you're a Master Jedi, why sh- you should be able to do all those things. Yes? Well, that's the thing. Like, Carrie Fisher, or Leia, she's not a Jedi. She's just Force-sensitive. She has a bit of what her brother has, but well, she's not a Jedi herself. Yeah, so, right. in a moment of... Yeah, but, uh, but Luke should know how to do that, then. Well, maybe, yeah. Because he is a Jedi. <laughs> Well, yeah, but why didn't he do it at some point? Oh, he's just projecting. I don't know. I, I yeah. don't know. See, now projecting, like projecting. Okay, there's a trick that he did. 
I've never seen anyone else do that. Well, it's because he's Luke Skywalker. You know, it's not like, it's not like, yeah, well, okay, but, you know, same way with Yoda, you know what I mean? Like Yoda was, you know, probably the highest, you know, Jedi there was, you know, if not Darth Vader. I never saw Darth Vader project his image somewhere else. I understand what you're saying, Reiki. It's true, but I do know these things are in the lore and the books. That much I know. Right. But I'm just saying, like, geez, you know, here we are in the, you know, the last Star, the most recent, I guess you could say, Star Wars, number eight. And yet, we have Jedis that aren't doing things that they were doing a hundred years ago when Qui-Gon Jinn was jumping 30 feet in the air and (laughs) throwing, you know, stormtroopers across the room or drones or whatever those robots were just by, you know, moving his arms. Right? Yeah. I don't you understand, know, Ray, the rules are, cha- like, the rules are constantly changing, and the things they can yeah. do are constantly changing. But the, for- right. but the Force shouldn't change. If you're a Jedi Knight, you should I guess do all those I, things. I think it's also different well, writers. I, <laughs> yeah, but see, that, to me, that's, that's, that's fake. You know what I mean? That, that, of course it's fake. It's fiction. It's Star Wars. But jeez, you know what I mean? Why can't you have like this ultimate Jedi know how to do all that well, the stuff. Well, the other thing I'm going to say, Rake, is this. I think it comes down to the circumstances that, that they're in. You know, maybe maybe Luke can do everything that we've seen and maybe past, you know, uh, Jedi could do all these things too. They just maybe never encountered a situation right. where it was necessary to do it. Like lifting all those rocks. Like the only reason that she does that is because she has to. She has to pick up all those rocks. If it was if it was one giant boulder, right. she would just pick up that giant boulder, uh, you know, like picking up the X-Wing. It's just in this instance, she has to find a way but, to pick up all those rocks yeah. because it's necessary. So, no. I get no, it. Not buying it. I get it. it. <laughs> not buying it. I mean, there's a million times that Jedis could have projected themselves. I understand. And in that instance, I definitely do understand your, your point there, for sure. Well, it, it, it I'm just must getting tired take of every time it, a toll because it cost him his life. Right, but you know what I mean. Every time we see a new movie, it's like we see this new power of the force, but yet no one. So, like, there needs to be like a set of it. rules, like an actual set of rules. Yes, thank you. If you're a Jedi Knight, you can A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Right. If you have mastered the force, if you are a true Jedi Knight, you can do all these things. That's why you trained under the Jedi before you, then how come, you know, none of these people can do something that, you know, Qui-Gon Jinn did or, you know, that how come he can't bounce around like Yoda? You know what I mean? Is it like, is every, is every Jedi have like their own special techniques or something? You know what I mean? They like, could be more trained in certain know. parts of their, of the forest than others are or different techniques. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. I just think uh, it just always strikes me as a big cop out. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, gotta, gotta have it. Let it have something. <laughs> okay. Uh, let, let's move on here um, and get down to our grades. So, uh, well, actually, I'm going to do trivia real quick. So, I did want to toss out one bit of trivia oh. uh, before we get into the grades. Uh, the reason the Porgs were created was due to the puffins that inhabited the Skellig Island where they were filming the scenes with uh, Daisy Ridley and Mark Hamill. Uh, they couldn't move them because they are an endangered species, so they created the Porgs and CGI'd over the uh, Puffins. Yeah. Yeah. 
Those things yeah, were adorable. They, like I don't care what anyone says that they were so fucking. Yeah, I thought cute. they did it just enough. They they were in it just enough, and they weren't they weren't yeah. the Ewoks. Put it that way. They were not the Ewoks. Yeah, not even close. Chewy and that one poor yeah. that was so <laughs> adorable. Um, General Leia Organa's uh, Mon Calamari cruiser bears the name Radis, named for the character of Admiral Radis in Rogue One: A Star Wars Story. So there's a Ooh. there's a deep cut for you. Awesome. Yeah. Good tie in. Yep. Yeah. That's All right. Cool. So let's get into our grades. Uh, we can run down through some of these here, and then we'll give our final thoughts and final grade. So I'm going to run down through all of mine. Uh, we're going to change this up. I'm going to run down through everything, and then I'm going to give you guys the chance to run down through each, and then, you know, same, same for Raker, and uh, then we'll get into final thoughts, final thoughts, final grade. All right, so uh, script for me. Uh, pros, some fantastic plot twists and wrinkles that manage to take familiar situations and give us a different outcome. Some really nice character work throughout for multiple characters. Uh, cons, too long, I think. Again, the casino sequence felt like filler to me. Uh, script, I'm going to give it a B here. Uh, acting, some excellent performances across the board. I think uh, Daisy Ridley continues to imbue Ray with a combination of strength and vulnerability. John Puyega shines, as does um, Oscar Isaac, Carrie Fisher in her last role. I think seemed... Far, uh, far more uh, at ease and in command here than she was in Force Awakens. I think she's just getting her feet wet again. Uh, yeah. However, it's Mark Hamill who manages to give the most impressive performance in the, the movie. It's by far his best best performance as well as Luke Skywalker. Uh, acting a minus for me. Directing. Um, the film is wonderfully shot with some great camera work throughout. Ryan Johnson has created quite possibly the best-looking Star Wars movie ever. Uh, the cinematography here is also fantastic. Uh, grade A. Uh, move on to special effects, if applicable, if I can say that. Um, <laughs> and they do here. Uh, I thought the special effects were particularly fantastic. Uh, a couple hundred million probably went right into the CGI work alone, and it shows. Uh, yes, there is a quibble here and there, but very, very minor. Uh, all in all, though, this is pretty fantastic work throughout, so I'm going to give it an A+. Editing and pacing. Uh, the pacing drags at points, and there is an issue with understanding how much time is passing in race storyline as compared to Poe's and Finn's. Uh, we did talk about that. Uh, I'm going to give it a B. I do think it dragged in the middle. The casino storyline definitely dragged it down for me. Um... Final thoughts and grade. Apart from the casino storyline, which feels more like filler than anything else, much of what The Last Jedi has to offer is worthy of the Star Wars legacy, prequels aside. Uh, Daisy Ridley continues to create an all-time iconic figure in Rey, while Mark Hamill and Carrie Fisher seemingly end their characters' stories in a moving and satisfying way. While The Last Jedi, Jedi is stronger in many ways to The Force Awakens, it unfortunately lacks the movie's much better pacing and lack of bloat. Uh, final grade for me is a B plus. So I'm going to hand the reins over to right. Sarah. Sarah, why don't you go down and give me your grades? <clears throat> All right. So for the script, I thought the script was really fantastic. Uh, it has a 
lot of pros. I mean, there's some really great things in it. Uh, humor, I liked it. Um, the character development is wonderful. They went, they had made some very smart decisions. Uh, I mean, Kylo Ren and Rey, what a great storyline. That one is, the, to me, the strongest, and I like the development they're going to make with that. Um, I like that they even, like, yeah, a side character like this uh, Chewie in this one. I mean, he's still there, and you know, who cares who Ray's parents are, because here Chewie is, you know, he's stepping in after her surrogate father, Han Solo, gets murdered, driving her to Jedi practice, keeping the engine going, <laughs> dropping her off to meet her new boyfriend he doesn't exactly approve of, but you know, he still makes sure she gets home safe. I mean, uh, her search for her parents is over, because he's clearly the new Wookiee <laughs> father. <laughs> <laughs> he is great in this. Like, he doesn't have many roles, but it's still great writing just for the small roles he does have. It's pretty awesome. Um, the cons for the script are, yeah, we talked about the Finn and Rose line a little bit. Their kiss is unnecessary, and the whole casino storyline period is unnecessary. But there's parts of it that I do like that came out of it. it like One part we didn't talk about the very end um, where the boy... Uh, the, the scene and the whole movie ends with on this boy who uses the force to pull this uh, the broom towards him to sweep up. He's a slave boy, but he's force sensitive, and I it's kind of like the, um, them telling us that you know in the wake of you know what's happened to Luke, it's kind of awakening the force and others kind of giving hope and it's kind of spreading across the galaxy that you know like Ray those who have come from absolutely nothing and don't have the Jedi blood in them still have this force sensitivity and that she's probably not going to be the last Jedi and neither is Kylo Ren. Uh, so for script, yeah, I think it's relatively solid. I give it an A minus. Um, some things don't bother me as much as, as others. Okay. So acting, <laughs> um, I have zero problem with acting. I don't think anyone did a poor job. Um, the woman who plays Rose, I I think they could have done more. Like I think if she was just she was doing what was given to her. She didn't have the best storyline, the most flushed out. It was very rushed. I mean, like we're playing off. She's sad that her sister died and has this connection that we don't really care about because we didn't know her sister, and it felt quite forced. So that was the only thing that I didn't like. But everyone else is acting phenomenal. A for me. Directing. Uh, you know, I think you know, it's great. Um, great directing. Wonderful, you know, like you said, camera work. Um, he made a really great Star Wars film. Like, it's gonna, it, like you said, one of the best Star Wars films. Top, top three for sure. Uh, so I can't think that any, there's any cons with the directing other than, you know, edit people <laughs> but that's editing uh, so yeah definitely an A for me as well special effects like I said the only thing that I had beef with was the Yoda part like either make him a puppet or do CGI pick one side don't try and do both um, but everything else was pretty flawless A for me editing and pacing that gets a lower grade because you definitely learn to edit a few more things uh, B plus I'm going to give for editing and the final thoughts that this is a wonderful middle marker for this trilogy. It's very, it's well written and well acted, well directed. 
Um, there's some really standout moments in this that are going to be iconic for all of eternity. Um, and it has that same vibe that the original Star Wars trilogy has. The same, it gives you the same feeling that the originals did. Everyone's really happy to be a part of this again, which is wonderful. Um, overall, I give it an A. All right, break up. You're up next. All right. <laughs> scroll up here. Uh, it's, it's hard for me to even elaborate on things that you guys haven't yet. So, um, script. Um, I agree with Michael on many accounts in terms of, you know, being too long in that casino sequence. I'm totally aboard with him on that. Um, what I did like about the script that, you know, some questions from the previous movie were answered and some new ones were made, you know, um, I like that. Uh, I do feel that though it's almost like they're given these directors because we've had two different directors who, who was the last one yeah uh jj abrams uh, yeah abrams and now we have ryan johnson it's almost like i almost wish that and maybe they do maybe they do all get together but i almost wish that they would just develop a little more coherency i read somewhere or someone told me i can't remember which that they gave you know each director complete autonomy over whatever they wanted to do um as to where i think it's almost like all three J. J. guys. Abrams is back Who does again. the next one? Oh, okay. Well, maybe he'll tie up some things. Lens flares shall um, return. <laughs> yeah, lens flares are back. Um, I just, I don't know. I just wish, you know, I just wish there was a general three-story script that was just a little more led to things rather than, okay, her parents are junkers, done. You know what I mean? And I don't know. Oh, and who then, knows? Uh, now, not. And now we're going to create, you know, this connection between Kylo Ren and uh, Ray. 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 If all people, yeah, main character. <laughs> yeah, Ray. Um, so I don't know. I just, I gave the script a B. Um, acting, I gave it, I gave it an A. I do think Rose was the weakest link, and I think a lot of it can be attributed to what Sarah was saying about. You know, her character was just a little too forced, and she, it's not like she had a million things to work with. You know, we didn't we didn't truly know the whole revenge factor, you know, because her sister was killed. You know what I mean? It, I think her character was just introduced, forced in, and then she's supposedly gone. We'll see. Um, but hers is the only character that really bothered me. Uh, I think she was a decent actor, but I definitely don't think she held a candle to, you know, the Boyegas, Carrie Fisher, Oscar Isaac, you know what I mean? Yeah. And of course she can't because I think this might be her first role. But I'm just saying, you know, when you're amongst that type of that crew. League. Yeah, yeah, when you're in that league, you better you better step up. So, I gave the I gave it an A, uh, the acting an A, and but I do, you know, it was it was pretty close because of her acting. Like, I thought the acting uh, direct- from her sister was better. <laughs> yeah, you know, you might be right. Um, directing, I definitely, I agree with Michael. I do think it was the best looking Star Wars yet. I really do. Like, some of those scenes were just amazing. Um, yeah, so I, I definitely give the directing a five. I know there's a lot more than just the looks, but I agree. The directing overall, I think Ryan Johnson did a great job. Um, so I give him an A. Special effects, I'm, I'm going with Sarah here. I, I wanted to give it an A+, plus like Michael, 
but I gave it an A because of the Yoda situation. Mm-hmm. Me personally, I think I think they should I think they should have made him strictly CG, strictly because they can do it now and get away with it. Because look at Snoke. Snoke, with the exception of a couple jerky movements, was pretty solid. Like when they did those close-ups of his face and stuff, he looked like he looked real. You know what yeah. I mean? Even though he was good. probably 100% CG. Yeah. Okay, if they're that good at it now, why didn't they just... What's the problem with yeah. Yoda? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just do him like that. Do one or the other. Don't do this goofy mixture of both. Yeah. Um, so that's the only thing that held down the special effects to an A. I mean, it, I agree with Mike. It could have been an A+, plus, but you know, the Yoda thing kept it from that level. In editing pacing, um, I gave it a B-, minus strictly because, you know... I hate to go back to that casino scene, but yeah. I mean, it did fit. Yeah, it just kind of, I don't know. It just felt like out of sync. You know what I mean? Everything else had their own, you know, because we, we talked about it. You know, there's these, like four different stories going on at once and they all just fit like, all right, 10 minutes here, 10 minutes there, 10 minutes there, 10 minutes there. But then when it came to that casino thing, I don't know what the minutes were, but it just felt like, wait, something's not right here. Um, so I think that threw the pacing off a little bit. Uh, so, you know, I, I gave it actually, you know, that B minus and then final thoughts, um, very entertaining film. You know, this goes back to what I, what in the intro here, the cat, the cast has been expanded, you know, Rose and DJ are now in there for better or worse. We'll see. (laughs) Hopefully, even though I'm not a huge Rose fan, if you're going to introduce her and push her in this movie that much. I hope she lives in that, you know, she's in the next movie because they really spent a lot of time with her character in this one to just throw her away in one movie. Yeah. Um, Ray continues to be a mystery, you know, at least her origin. Maybe, maybe not. I, you know, I, I, I was definitely fascinated by your uh, thoughts about that, Sarah. I thought that was pretty cool. I, I'd never even thought of it that way. And I think it's cool that fans like us, you are thinking into, you know, what is her origin? Um, so I think that was kind of cool. Um, you know, she's still, it's still mysterious, you know, and I do like the connection between her and Kylo. I think that's neat. And it is something I do want to see, you know, explained later. And and I do like the fact that Kylo stayed a heel, (laughs) you know, he stayed the antagonist, even though, you know, there were moments where I thought maybe he'd switch over then like you guys were saying about, well, if he did, then it'd almost be like Darth did at the very end. So I'm glad they didn't. I'm glad they kept him quote unquote evil. Um, overall great film worthy of star Wars brand. And I'm excited for the next one. Totally. So overall I give it an A. I mean, I, you know, I, I'm giving the overall movie an A. Yeah. Definitely gets a grade bump too, because you know, there's that scene with Adam driver. Oh, well, there you so. go. Oh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh yeah, A plus. Did I say A? I meant right. A plus. <laughs> that was one of the funniest <laughs> scenes to me. I did not expect you know, that. When it happened, I was know, just like, "That's brilliant." You know, I'm I'm glad they did show him shirtless, and I'm not, you know, like that. I'm just saying because you know he should be. You know, he's a pretty jacked dude. He was the next. You know rank. what I mean? Yeah, right. So I mean, it's good to know that. Hey, not, you know, this guy's not just badass because he's has the force. He's, he's got the he's also, too. Yeah, dude's, dude's definitely a force to be working with, you know what I mean? Like, he's a tough dude. So I, I like that, you know what I mean? That's cool that you can actually say, oh, man. Because as to where Darth Vader is like, ah, oh, he's this half-man, half-robot thing. Like, eh, you know, as to where 
you know, Kylo Ren, you're like, ah, he's a pretty bad dude. <laughs> yeah, and the memes that have emerged on Reddit from that scene are hilarious. <laughs> are they? I oh, haven't looked at that Oh, they're brilliant. <laughs> People are like, that's no moon. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, awesome. I guess that's pretty much it for uh, this review. Um Again, sorry we couldn't get this out quicker. It was just a combination of the holidays, of course, which always makes things difficult. But, you know, then you throw in people being sick, uh, as we all were. And, like, we were all sick. It w- if it would have been a situation where two of us would have been okay, we we probably would have been able to get out the episode. Um, but it was just this overlapping thing where I think, Raker, I think you got sick I think a day, two day and a half before I did. And I think Sarah, you got sick around the same time I did. So we were all just within the same seven to 10 day span. We were just all sick. Terrible. Yeah. Yeah. Miserable. Yeah. Bubonic plague. It was terrible. It's terrible. It's certainly going around still. Like everyone in my work has the flu and it's like this Uh, one's, they're getting a fever with a cough. And that's, like, oh, scary. I don't want to get that. <laughs> yeah, I can deal with right. the feeling like shit and having a cough and stuff like that, but fever? No, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, that's it for us. Uh, so, you know. Uh, oh. Are you gonna, oh, that's are you right. Preview that's next, right. Next episode. Next, uh, um, which, uh, again, and we'll be reviewing this. Or not reviewing this. Why I say that? We'll be talking about this in a season preview episode here in a few days. Sarah and I will be recording one. We're kind of going to go over what we're changing and what we're doing for 2018. Uh, the immediate changes to the podcasts and things that will be coming down the line this year. But uh, one thing that I'm going to be doing is I'm going to be putting out a uh, what I'm going to call a 0.5 uh, preview uh, episode each week. So what do I mean by that? Well, if this is episode 51, then episode 51.5 will be a short, very quick, almost more of an announcement thing where um, I'm going to remind you or at least announce in that episode that I record very briefly um, about what the next review is going to be. But, but we'll do it here. Uh, so we're going to be doing a double episode um, next week. It's we are, going to be oh, The Room <laughs> and The Disaster Artist. So we're going to combine both in one episode and we're going yeah. to, well, we're going to talk about it. Put it that way. So Every time there's some bad acting, do a shot. She'll have some alcohol poisoning. We have alcohol poisoning by the end of the first oh, scene. Oh, my God. <laughs> all right but anyway that's what's coming up next week we'll be doing yes the room uh the infamously bad uh movie <laughs> the citizen kane of bad movies and the much <laughs> by a significant margin much much better <laughs> disaster artist um but then again anything even watching paint dry is better than the room um <laughs> But it is it is enjoyable for its badness in certain ways. Anyway, uh, we'll get to that next week. So look forward to that review coming out. Uh, so we'll be back next Wednesday, right? So it's not that far away. Um, so be prepared for that, and we'll see you next time. Later, geeks. See ya.
Intro music for this episode is Danger Storm by Kevin MacLeod, which can be found at incompetech.com, licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 license. Outro music is Nowhere Land by Kevin MacLeod, which can be found at incompetech.com, licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 license. You can also find the attribution in the episode description as well.